Umajana Trimanandasya, Jana Jana Salakaya, Chakshur Militanyena Tasmaya Sri Guru Namaha. Good evening, everyone. We will continue this evening with our discussion of Srila Jiva Goswami's Bhagavat Sandarbha. So we are now up to Anucheda 7. There are 102 Anuchedas in uh, the Bhagavats and Dharva, 102 sections dealing with Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti, Sabjate. Quick review, the first Anucheda dealt with the fact that the Absolute Reality, the Supreme Absolute Truth, is uh, manifest in three different ways. Jiva Goswami proceeded from there to explain the distinction between Brahman and Bhagavan. And then he went on to say that Bhagavan is the qualified absolute, the absolute with qualities. And from there he went on to point out that when we refer to Bhagavan, we're referring to Narayan, thus uh, giving some ideal of the Supreme Absolute Truth uh, in relationship to his further qualifications above Bhagavan in that he manifests variously but the Supreme Manifestation in the Vaikuntha atmosphere can be seen as Narayan. Then he kind of goes back again and says the Absolute Reality manifests in three different aspects. He preceded Nanocheta six to point out what is the eligibility of one who can have realization of the supreme absolute as brahman that was last class that we gave and just to remind ourselves that that qualification was they needed to be qualified by bhakti irrespective of so many schools of thought specifically at this point in time, in this Kali Yuga, with the manifestation of Lord Shiva coming as an Acharya to mislead human society into an acceptance of the Vedas as valid according to his interpretation of the Vedas. That was truly just a, a segue we had a complete misuse of Vedic information. Human society have basic, had basically gone off the rails when it, it came to the sacrifices recommended in the Vedas. They didn't look deeper than the Karmakanda viewpoint of performance of sacrifice simply for material gain. That misuse of the Vedas had to be rectified. And Krishna came himself as Lord Buddha to enact a rectification. Lord Buddha, he, he recommended that humanity give up this sacrifice. We don't need to unnecessarily commit violence to other living entities for our material gain. Material gain is not really what it's about, but rather attaining nirvana, being perpetually happy is what it's all about 
you think what it's all about is going to heaven. So therefore, you're following the Vedas, and you're performing sacrifices, and you think that's the be-all and end-all of human existence. But I'm here to tell you that you can push the Vedas aside. We don't need to perform these sacrifices. You simply worship me, and I will teach you about a higher plane of enjoyment than heaven. And that is absolute, total negation of any of an atmosphere where there is any even a possibility of suffering. That was presented by Lord Buddha as a state of nirvana, and easily attained. Simply follow him and meditate and give up the Veda. Krishna was just working his his mystical magic to rectify humanity. Yadai Yadai Dharma Sha. And he comes and he tells Lord Shiva, now you come into humanity, into human society, and you present the Vedas again. But you do it in a way that you can capture the mind of all those people that have been drawn to my manifestation as Lord Buddha and the philosophy that I gave there. So you you come and you you give your own interpretation of the Vedas, not the topmost interpretation, but a, an interpretation that, that uh, can pull humanity towards an appreciation again of the Vedas. Um, but you could emphasize your own interpretation, which was, is, would be one of impersonalism, which would be akin to what, they're, what they're, they've learned from my manifestation as Lord Buddha, and we can gradually get them to again appreciate the Vedas. And then there was a gradually get gradual evolution after Sankaracharya, a gradual reorientation of humanity through various Acharyas, Ramanujacharya, Madhvacharya, coming up all the way to the time of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that reintroduced theism, a personal God, as the ultimate objective. So the sixth Anucheta dealt specifically with who is eligible for true Brahman realization, not the realization of Sankaracharya, which is an interpretation which truly, it's a will of the wisp. It can never be attained. You cannot attain Brahman unless there is a pinch of devotion. And that's in the Vedas. And as long as the majority of human society was, at that time, tuned in to a conception of Brahman based upon a misinterpretation of the Vedas by Sankaracharya. What Jiva Goswami's presenting here is truly revolutionary. If you want Brahman realization, the only true approach has to be one of devotion. And he gave his evidence. And the evidence, primary evidence, is the next verse after the Vedanti Tat verse. That's the qualification. You have to have some devotion. How much devotion? 
enough devotion that Rupa Goswami says that your devotion practically is as much as the devotion of the bhakta. But it's a semblance of that. But there's a verse in the Bhagavatam that came out in the last class which pointed how far along in the cultivation of that devotion that the Brahmavadi, one desiring Brahman realization, goes. How far is that? It's pretty far. Tears are flowing from his eyes. He comes into ecstatic rapture in contact with that supreme personality of Godhead. He captures him in his mind through his devotion. And then like a fisherman, he throws him away. And he dives into the ocean of impersonalism. This is quite amazing from the Bhakti's viewpoint. How could you do that? You've tasted Krishna. And then we also discuss sometimes the pendulum swings the other way. That one is a Jivan Mukta. It's not a, not a Brahmavadi in the sense that he has not attained his goal, but he's attained the consciousness necessary to acquire that goal, like the Kumaras, mm -hmm. like Sukadeva Goswami. They're called Jivan Mukta. They're liberated while in their body in the world. They, they are in the world, but not of the world. They've given the world up. But they haven't yet entered into Brahman. And in that state, if they receive some special mercy from a bhakta, or from Krishna personally, then they can be pulled towards Bhagavan. And they'll give up the impersonal. In one instance, the Brahmavadi, he purposely follows sadhana bhakti to attain his goal of Brahma-sayuja, merging into Brahman, and in following that sadhana, he must attain enough bhakta to receive the mercy of Krishna personally. So he captures Krishna, and Krishna bestows his mercy, and then he can attain Brahman, true Brahman realization for the Brahmavadi who, had, who desires Sayuja merging into the Lord he has to perform Bhakta so now we come to the seventh Anucheda how that supreme absolute truth manifests as Brahman the manifestation of Brahman Jiva continues in the following verse and a half Sri Brahma explains to Narada some further specifics about the Brahman feature. The second canto, seventh chapter. That which the sages know as Brahman, which is uninterrupted joy and completely devoid of grief, is merely the pedestal, pada, of Bhagavan, the Supreme Person. It is eternally tranquil, free from fear, exclusively of the nature of unadulterated consciousness, pure, unchanging. Beyond all cause and effect, the source of all individual beings, which cannot be realized 
through the performance of sacrifice or the chanting of Vedic mantras, and before which the eternal energy personified, Maya, flees out of shame. That's the end of the verse. Jiva goes on. Since Brahman is Bhagavan's feature as indeterminate existence, and since the immediate apprehension of Bhagavan, who is self-endowed with various wonderful qualities, such as a beautiful form, occurs only after the intuition of Brahman, this Brahman, which is the innate existence of Bhagavan, is thus the basis for the realization of Bhagavan. Padam Bhagavata. So now, some explanation. What's actually being said here and what's its significance? Brahma's giving an explanation to Narada of when you look to the Brahman feature of the Absolute Truth, this is its characteristics. And you can look at it as the, the pedestal. The pedestal is that upon which the Supreme Bhagavan stands. In other words, the basis of his existence is this impersonal Brahman. It forms the foundation, the pada, the pedestal. Brahman realization is the first step in Bhagavan realization. And now we're going to go into a little bit of a logistical analysis of what does that mean in relationship to apprehension or perception overall. It's an indeterminate state of Bhagavan in whom all qualities exist completely and perfectly. Bhagavan has unlimited qualities. You couldn't, if you were Seisha, millions of mouths. You could never come to an end of the qualities if you entered into a service of speaking of them and glorifying them. That's how many qualities Bhagavan has. But Brahman is the first step in appreciating the qualities because it's the pedestal, it's the foundation. So let's look at some practical examples in our perceptions in the world to, to give us a deeper understanding of, of how we can say that this is the basis. Our first perception of anything in the world is indeterminate. And this is some really interesting logic here. Let's take example, we apprehend a young man, a boy. When we apprehend or see, perceive a boy, first we recognize his, his quality, his quality, his category, his boyhood. He's a boy. Then we have the object itself, that personality, the personality who, what does he do? He possesses boyhood. He's a person who has a young, stout body 
and we call him a boy. There is the quality and then there's the object that that quality signifies. Then there's the relation between the two. So when we perceive everything, if there is no quality, there is no perception on the material plane of existence. Because how do we perceive anything? We have knowledge-acquiring senses. If we can't hear it, smell it, see it, taste it, or touch it, if those qualities are not present before our senses, then we can't perceive it. We can't apprehend it. it. It's not there to us. On the material plane, it has to have some quality. Otherwise, there's no perception. Before we perceive anything, our apprehension of it is indeterminate. We can't determine what it is until it can be related to something we've already determined. Those are called vrittis, impressions upon the chitta, which allow us to put everything in a basket of perception. Before we perceive it, it's indeterminate. Our knowledge is indeterminate. The deep thinkers of Vedanta, they explain that for every determinate perception, there is a scant moment occurring somewhere beyond the purview of the senses where we have an indeterminate apprehension of any object. It's not on the mental plane yet. There is that momentary, prior to perception, an indeterminate, well, it hasn't even been perceived yet. If we are to perceive an object, it must have some quality. No quality, no perception. We cannot perceive Brahman. Ata Shri Krishna Namadi Nabavedgraham Indriya. And Brahman is a manifestation of the Supreme Absolute Truth. The Supreme Absolute Truth cannot be perceived with the material senses. Ata Shri Krishna. Namadi, you are not going to see Krishna, hear Krishna, smell Krishna, taste Krishna, feel Krishna with these material senses. You need an ingress of spiritual energy to perceive him. Does that mean he can't turn material to spiritual? No, he can't. If he wants to manifest himself before your senses, as if he were material, then you can perceive him. Uh, we call that Prakatlila. He comes and he allows himself to be perceived through 
what appears to be material senses. He's spiritualizing. He's allowing his rarup shakti. What is the result of that perception? Well, that varies according to what? The depth of love, priti, or lack thereof. You may see Krishna as something that's not lovable. You may see Krishna as death personified. Back to our discussion. Indeterminate is beyond sense perception, that momentary thing. And that is as close to an intellectualization as we can come to when it comes to Brahman. Brahman is the supreme absolute truth independent of any qualities. It's quite an amazing thing that this supreme all-pervading consciousness which is present throughout everything material and spiritual it's all it's the basis of everything and as brahma pointed out in this verse and speaking to narada that brahman has no manifest qualities and it's the first step in bhagavan realization let's take another example let's take a light bulb What's our first perception of a light bulb? Illumination. So we see the light. After the brightness of the light, we can see the form of the bulb, the shape. It has a form. In the beginning, it's like that's light. So there's shape. There's light. There's shape. And if you look closer, you'll find within the bulb a filament, the little wire in there. So the perception goes from indeterminate to determinate. Illumination, and then what's producing the illumination? Oh, a light bulb. It's the shape of a light bulb. And what's producing the illumination in the light bulb? What's producing the actual light itself? There's a filament in there being electrically charged, and it's, it's creating artificial light. In our perception of everything, our perception increases step by step, stage by stage. But with the supreme absolute truth, it doesn't have to be like that. You can stop at the light. You don't need to go further than that. It's still the supreme absolute truth. You don't need to see the bulb. You don't see, need to see the filament. That could be the extent of your, of your perception, if you so desire. Rameti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Subjate. They're all the supreme absolute truth. In the material realm, our determination becomes more and more refined. And it also can become the most refined in the spiritual realm, but it doesn't have to. Jiva basically says that Brahma-gyan and Bhagavan-gyan are the same thing. They're the same 
knowledge of the supreme absolute truth. They're just one is with and without qualities. A verse is quoted, a verse explaining the entrance of Narada Muni into Dwarka. So as we know, Narada's he's a transcendental spaceman, so he he can fly without without wings and he doesn't need a backpack, he can just freely move from one plane of existence to another. In fact his flying is so he has such qualification there that he received directly from Krishna, he can enter and leave the material world at will. He can enter into Vaikuntha if he desires. Well, one time he desired to enter into Dwarka. Well, there's a verse explaining his entrance into Dwarka, into the assembly hall of Krishna. Sri Krishna first saw him as a bright mass of effulgence. It's a light in the sky. It's coming our way. Uh, when he came closer, he could understand that it was some being having a body. It's a personality. It's more than just a light. And when he came still closer, he saw a human form. When he landed in front of them, he finally recognized him as Sri Narada. And then, once he recognized him as Narada, that's the son of Brahma. He's my devotee. And he's carrying a vena, and I gave it to him. And he's a guru of Dhruva and of Prahlad. And he's the friend of Tumburu. And so on. So all these things come. The object of perception, Narda, was one. He was the same as the effulgence. He was the same when the effulgence came closer and he could see a form and then he could see a human form and then the human form met, landed in front of the assembly. He was the same in all of those different perceptions. But there was more and less complete perception. Again, understanding the fact that Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, that is the supreme manifestation of the, of the absolute truth, but it's not perceived the same in all circumstances. And it's not perceived the same by all people. The perception of Narda increased proportionate to the proximity how close the audience in the assembly house was to Narada. From indeterminate to determinate. So this is the first half of the Anacheda. Then Brahma continued in the verse giving some characteristics of the determinate nature of Brahman. It still has characteristics to one who knows the perception of Brahman. 
Pratibodha Matra, unadulterated consciousness, these are characteristics of Brahman. Unadulterated consciousness, pure. Ajasra Sukha, uninterrupted joy. Atmatattva, the root source of all self. That unadulterated consciousness that exists and is uninterruptedly joyful, continually joyful, that is the nature of Brahman, and that is the, the nature of the self, all selves. The Atma of every living entity is of this nature of Brahman. Sasvat prasantam, tranquil, free of disturbance. Abhaya, free of fear. Visoka, exempt from grief. Well, how can I attain this realization? Here, the Anucheta touches upon the fact that Brahman cannot be approached by anything material. It's wrong to think that Brahman can be approached by sound or words. And the point that there, that's being made here is Brahman is, well, it's the same nature of bhakti. It's self-manifesting. You're not going to be able to, to, to chant any mantras and attain Brahman. You're not going to be able to approach Brahman with any mundane sound vibration. But you can have revelation of Brahman from the Upanishad. It's, it's self-revealing through Subda Brahman, transcendental sound vibration. It has self-illuminating power, the Upanishads to, to, to disclose Brahman. But not the sound of words in tone during a sacrifice. The basic point being made here is no amount of piety, because that's, the, that's really the nature of sacrifice. Sacrifice is meant to, to bring about piety. Through sacrifice, the jiva, the jivatman, is able to purify himself. But that sacrifice in and of itself is not going to result in the revelation the realization of Brahman. Brahman resides beyond all material cause and effect. Makes sense. Why? Because in the revelation of Srila Vyasadeva, what was the nature of Maya? Maya could not stand in the presence of the Supreme Absolute. She stood at some distance. So it's pointed out that out of shame, Maya flees far away from the, even the Jivan Mukta, someone who's come to the level of Brahman realization. He's still within the material realm, Jivan Mukta, liberated but within the material manifestation. So he concludes with a verse of his own composition, 
Jiva Goswami does in his commentary. So in his commentary, this is, except for introductory verses in praise and concluding statements for the wholesome Dharma, Jiva has, does not comprise any verse except this one. And the verse's translation is, when the true nature of Bhagavan is made clearly visible, Brahman is automatically understood. Thus, Brahma Sandarbha is contained within Bhagavat Sandarbha. I didn't have to write another Sandarbha. <laughs> it's automatically contained. If you can, if you can clearly understand Bhagavan, Brahman realization is contained within that realization. The qualities that we just mentioned in relationship to Brahman, as far as understanding them, they're understood in the context of qualities of Bhagavan. They're not perceived in relationship to Brahman because in Brahman there is no perception. The conception of Brahman held by the Brahmavadis is one of that spiritual substance that has no qualities. So when we say that it's unadulterated consciousness, well, unadulterated is a quality. Can't apply it to Brahman. Brahman has no qualities. Adulted or unadulterated. Uninterrupted joy, again, is a, is a quality. It's a characteristic. We can't apply it. The Brahmavadi would not apply uninterrupted joy or the source of all jivas. All these qualities are not perceived in relationship to Brahman in that way, except for someone who has... You have to come to a determinate understanding. In the indeterminate understanding, these things won't be perceived. So that ends the entire Brahma Sandarbha in one night. So are there any questions? I don't know, it's just hard for me to conceive of somebody wanting a totally quality-less... That's because you're a bhakta. <laughs> They're not a bhakta. But how could you even conceive of that anything could have no. Just read the Vedas. Throughout the Vedas, there's there's reference. Tatvamasi, you are that. You are that supreme personality. That supreme personality is the same as you. But I have consciousness, and you're saying that there's no adulterated or unadulterated. You have adulterated consciousness in the contact with Maya. With the Vrittis, you have impressions. If you can do away with that, that material association through spiritual purification then then all the miseries of material existence will fly far away maya will not stand before you you become a jivan mukta and then you become liberated so in brahman some sense of joy that you're looking for some kind of joy by 
Joy is material. I don't want any joy. The only joy I've had is as one side is joy and the other side is misery. Why are you encouraging me to want joy? I want nothing to do with with the pluses and minuses of existence. I want to enter into the I want to enter into my true being, and that my true being is the same as the, is the being of that that all-encompassing spiritual consciousness which pervades everything. That's what I want. That's my aspiration. I can't conceive of by re, by my study of the Vedas and my hearing from my teachers. I cannot conceive of any quality in the spiritual realm. Qualities only exist in the material realm. Why you're thinking there's a quality in the spiritual realm? What is your evidence? Well, they have theirs. They go to the Veda. We also go to the Veda. Krishna is that kind of God. As you approach me, I reciprocate accordingly. He reciprocates accordingly. Yes, ma'am. It seems like a big difference is developing a taste for service. The Brahmavadi doesn't have a taste for service, but a Bhakta relishes the service more than the joy of being. So there's, you know, the Brahmavadi just doesn't have that, have that taste to, to serve Krishna in a personal way. But the Bhakta does. And the taste for the service is greater than simply the taste of, of joy or happiness. The taste of, well, the joy or happiness of not suffering. Yes, which is quite joyful. But, <laughs> but you know, I was just thinking, what is the difference? The difference is the difference between an ocean of, according to Sri Jirupa Goswami, the difference is between a, a drop from the ocean of unlimited transcendental joy and the ocean itself. And the viewpoint of the, of the one that's fully, fully versed in the, in the personal conception of the Supreme Absolute Truth that personal conception and the associated services you say brings fulfillment and pleasure in love which has two aspects it has the love aspect and the happiness aspect these things will all come up in the preti sandarbha the nature of of love on the transcendental plane that's why Srila rupa goswami says in the bhakti rasamrita sindhu that the the pleasure of the Brahmavadi in relationship to the bhakti that they perform to attain their objective is simply in a boss. It's a shadow. It's a reflection of the real joy of bhakti. So they're getting some tears in their eyes, but it's not the same as the bhakti. As you said, you made it perfectly clear, and that's correct. It's, there's no love underlying it so it's it's a semblance of bhakti but it's a semblance that's required to obtain the objective enough of a semblance to to gain the attention of krishna so he can he can bestow upon the brahmavadi their objective anything else yes yeah i know i've asked this question like many times but um 
So like, why is the uh, how does the Brahma body not offensive? The Maya body is offensive. Like, what makes the Brahma body inoffensive? Well, let's go the other way. What makes the Maya body offensive? They don't accept the Vedas as they are. They give some interpretation. That's an offense to the holy name. Right? We give some interpretation. So we give some interpretation to the Shastra. And that interpretation is an offense. Krishna is, manif- Krishna is coming and saying, here I am, this is what I look like, this is... This is who I hang out with. This is how I manifest the universe. This is the proper concepts that you should have in relationship to me, whether you see me primarily as Brahman or Paramatma or Bhagavan. This is the way to see me through in those ways. Here's my, uh, here's the Vedas. I've personally come and manifest myself at the Veda, and you want to say, well, that's not really the way it is. I'm spelling it out pretty clearly through Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra, and you're saying, what you say in the book isn't really what you mean. Let me tell people what you mean. That's the difference. The Brahmavadi says, yes, this is the Brahman conception of the Absolute. These are the Upanishads that present this, and this is what is attracting me. And this is how I attain it. I attain it through Sadhana Bhakti. I have to perform bhakti in order to attain it. And they may even have the full understanding enough to realize it's coming through a personification of the supreme absolute truth. But that's not really the deeper understanding of the absolute truth. That's a manifestation. So they see Narayan, they see this whole concept of of Vaikuntha not in the way that the bhakta sees it. So it's it's an eternal... You see Narayan, okay, Narayan's eternal, you can attain that, but that's like not the highest. Like. No, that's not the highest. The highest is to... The, the, the main difference is apprehension of, of Krishna or Narayan, Vishnu, an apprehension that looks upon that manifestation as only being material. That's a big. That's one of the biggest, biggest faults of the Maya body. Krishna's body is Maya. No, the Brahma body. They no. There's a spiritual manifestation of the absolute truth, which has a form. But that's not the highest concept in their estimation. Just like you go to. South India, as Guru Maharaj says, and you go to the, the to the house of the worshiper of Lakshmi Narayan, and they talk about Krishna. They're they're thrilled by his pastimes, but you say Lakshmi Narayan, it's like oh Lakshmi Narayan, you know, it's a whole different mood. That's there is the Dave. They understand there's a manifestation of Narayan that is Krishna. Who parties with with cowherds in the, in the forest? It's an interesting pastime, but no, Noxy Narayan. That's something different. See? Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Thank you much for your association. Hare Krishna. Bunch of kopadubas, Jagupsan.